Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, homily, and Eucharist are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions, self-selections of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. And so it is, we have sung, at the last the march shall end, the wearied ones shall rest, the pilgrims find their heavenly home, Jerusalem, the blessed. This passage of scripture is a challenging one, for me anyway. It has this refrain in it that's like rejoice, rejoice, sing. It says, how the mighty have fallen, how the mighty have fallen. Truman was president when I was born. I always wondered what it was like to be Japanese and especially what it was like to believe that the emperor was now human. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. A lesson from the second book of Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 and then 17 through 27. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from defeating the Amalekites, David remained in the city of Ziklag. David intoned this lamentation over Saul and his son, Jonathan. He ordered that the song of the bow be taught to the people of Judah. It is written in the book of Jeshar. He said, your glory, O Israel, your glory lies slain upon your high places, how the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon or the daughters of the Philistines, they will rejoice. The daughters of the uncircumcised will exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you nor bounteous fields. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul anointed with oil no more, for the blood of the slain from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, nor the sword of Saul remain and return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O oh, daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with crimson in luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. Oh, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain upon your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. 
Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. Oh, how the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. This is the word of the Lord. A lesson from St. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 7 through 15. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but to even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. 
This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in reading Psalm 130 with the antiphon. Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our Gospel. Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. 
Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they had said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. In the, in the small village, in the small village in which we were raised some 50 years ago, 50 years ago, a bucolic setting, there stands still a church with a steeple and a bell, and the ringing of that bell is as sonorous and sweet today as it was five decades earlier. Its timber and its tone are as uh, personal and unique as the gospel we share today. We are gathered at Marsh Chapel on a high summer Sunday for the celebration of Holy Eucharist, for the gathering and preaching of the Word for the congregation, and then later for a fellowship meal, our annual outdoor barbecue. It is good to see you now. It is good to hear you singing the hymns of faith. Our celebrant today the Reverend Holly Bensonhaver Redford has been before us before, and our readers, and Jen, and Abraham, and Bert, and Ken, have helped before, and their voices mingle 
with our own as we come to this, this holy and this sacred meal. That is, we are on a journey. The sacred, the holy scriptures read earlier remind us of people and parts of that journey, aspects of which we bring down the sawdust trail, down the center aisle, in the altar call that is the Lord's Supper. Some of us with David and Jonathan are considering the depths and ranges and varieties of friendship. Is there a more precious gift in life than friendship? Some of us call it the whole nation, this great land of liberty. Together, we're thinking about what Paul wrote so well in 2 Corinthians, that those who have much might not have too much, and those who have little might not have too little. Some of us, like that 12-year-old girl, Jairus' daughter, are coming forward with a longing for healing, not so much or only perhaps for ourselves, but for a sister or an uncle or a child or a neighbor. That is, we're together on a journey. We're itinerants. Whether in point of fact we are, or whether we are spiritual itinerants, we're on the move. It's good to stand with you and walk alongside you today on this journey of faith with David and Jonathan, with Paul of Tarsus, with the Gospel of Mark and its dramatic, immediate announcement of healing. May the bread and cup today be sources of nourishment for you in friendship and in stewardship and in health and all things leading to salvus, to salvation, to healing. Our word and table here each first Sunday are open to all of whatever age or station or gender or ethnicity or orientation. This is an open table those that would lead a new life following after the commandments of God are hereby welcomed. Within the ringing reverberation of that old bell in this memory and another perhaps in yours, ringing out the cadence of faith in the walk of faith. The tradition in which Marsh Chapel was built by Daniel Marsh some 60 years ago, that of American Methodism, has a particularly deep moment on this day, on July 1st. Those of us who've been uh, in the ministry, and there are some several in this congregation, some of whom have been in the United Methodist ministry, know very fully what it means to be itinerant. Because that means every year, on July 1st, today, either actually or potentially under the appointment of a bishop and with security of appointment somewhere, a family is either actually or in fact moving from one church to another. I cannot begin to tell you the waves of memory, pride, affection, worry, hope, 
promise that wash over me thinking of those today taking their first step of faith into them a new, a new pulpit with the trust that all will be well and all will be well. It wasn't too long ago that when you moved, you moved your books. Maybe you moved some clothing, but you left everything behind. Certainly the parsonage or manse you left for the next itinerant tenant. And you left the furnishings and the upstairs and downstairs furniture and probably the china and many other things. Most movingly, in our area of Providence in upstate New York, it wasn't so long ago that one planted a garden in May because the growing season is short and you need to plant, not knowing whether you would be there come October to harvest, but you knew somebody would be there. And so you moved your books and some clothing and you left a garden behind. And say one out of three years, you were receiving the gift of a new space. That's a spiritual itinerancy developed out of friendship, supported in stewardship, bringing a message of healing, a ringing of the bell. A week ago Wednesday, this uh, reality was powerfully before me. Our son-in-law and daughter are moving from one assignment to another. So as always is, or almost always is the case, on the very hottest day of the year, into that neighborhood, the moving van pulled up, and for the next several hours, one and then another parcel, more than books in this era, were moved in with the guidance and help of residents and a father-in-law to give advice and offer what he could. In those hours, the, uh, the proud memory of people enshrined in these windows and present with us today stood out. I'll just name one, James Bashford, his tombstone in Oak Grove, Delaware, Ohio, says in small letters, Bishop of Korea, in a little bit larger letters, President Ohio Wesleyan, and in big block letters, Preacher in the Methodist Episcopal Church. There's a certain wise ordering there. He moved. We're on a journey and with that journey come anxieties. And so a week ago Wednesday, after a day of heat and the rigors of the move, as the sun sat and finally sleep came, through that night, I had a dream. And I share it with you as those who are now, some of us, going off for a little bit of rest in the summer as the Apocalypse Then series of sermons continues here. A, uh, in one sense, an unremarkable anxiety dream. In another sense, well, you be the judge. Dawn came somewhere around the first light about 4 or 4.20 that morning, and I awoke in a start. After the day of moving and remembering, and the dream was a standard, the preachers in the congregation will recognize it, a standard anxiety dream. I was robed. The service was 10 minutes from beginning. The choir was assembled, the organ had played, the congregation had gathered, and I had no sermon. 
That's what dreams are for, to cleanse us of our carried anxieties. The color and the detail of it were as fierce and present as any that I can recall, and I don't remember all that many dreams. But the dream proceeded. The hour came. We slipped into the chancel a little bit late. The service progressed. The music was offered. And the preacher of the day realized he needed a message. And now this is in a dream imagined by the unconscious mind, remembered later in the waking hours. The preacher realized that the theme of the sermon would be ring the bell. There you have it. That the text would be 2 Corinthians 4. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. This is all in the dream. I wish I could get my conscious mind to work as well as my unconscious. And the poem to conclude the sermon was the one I mentioned last week that would be coming in this meditation, Leonard Cohen's, Ring the bell, Bells That Still Can Ring, Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And then dawn and the waking moment and a sermon out of a dream and out of the unconscious, out of the hope and the anxiety of a July 1st move. We're on a journey. We're spiritual itinerants. In a moment, we'll symbolically take a portion of that journey as we walk forward and share the elements of bread and cup. Here again, we will experience in the heart a sense of thanksgiving. Here again, we will experience in the heart a sense of presence. Here again, we will experience in the heart a sense of memory, of remembering. And it may be, as we pause, in bread and cup, that in the heart there will reverberate, there will resonate the ringing of a bell that reminds us as we live that we shall ring the bell in what we say, ring the bell in what we do, ring the bell in what we choose, ring the bell in what we give, ring the bell in what we decide, ring the bell, you salt, you light, in the way we live. Everything lastingly good, almost every lasting good feature of our life has come through the means of grace of the Church of Christ, our identity in baptism, the gift, it's always a gift of faith in confirmation, our fellowship in Eucharist, for many a partnership in marriage and friendship, for some vocation in ordination, for all the gift of forgiveness in healing and presence and pardon, and especially coming forward, the gift finally of hope for this life and for eternal life. Who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Beloved, 
The transcendent power belongs to God. But ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Amen. you. Please be seated. Good morning and welcome to Marsh Chapel. My name is Rachel Cape. We have just a few announcements this morning. First, we'll be having a vacation Bible school on July 15th after church. Any families with children are welcome, and if you're interested in signing up, please let me know.
Today is our annual summer barbecue. Um, it will be directly after church out on the beach, so we hope you all can come. For all their upcoming services and activities, please keep an eye on our chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you'll also find the opportunity for online giving. We also hope that you'll take a moment this morning to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so we can get to know you better and help one another get to know each other better. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
into being and gifted us with the breath of life. May this offering bless the extended work of this community in your name and serve as a symbol of the daily lives of service, compassion, prayer, advocacy, and relationship we seek to embody with each breath as your church. Amen. We gather in God's name and claim Christ's promised presence around the table of communion. Come with hope or hesitation. Come with joy or yearning. All who hunger, all who thirst for life in all its fullness. Not out of dread or fear, but believing God is faithful to forgive. Let us hand to God's mercy what we need carry no longer. Holy God, maker of all, have mercy on us. Jesus Christ, servant of the poor, have mercy on us. Holy Spirit, breath of life, have mercy on us. Let us in silence confess our faults and admit our frailty. Before God and the people of God, I confess to my brokenness, to the ways I wound my life, the lives of others, and the life of the world. May God forgive you, Christ for you, and the Spirit enable you to grow in God. Amen. Christ renew you, and the Spirit enable you to grow in love. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another. When we turned away, our love failed, 
your, and your love remains steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. which is poured out for you. Whenever you do drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for the life, death, and resurrection of our beloved Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for the table of And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer our Jesus taught us in the languages of our first learning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To receive the bread and cup, we invite you to come down the center aisle. Wine will be available on the pulpit side, and juice will be available on the lectern side. Gluten-free bread is available, you need only ask. And so now Christ's table is prepared and welcome from wherever we have come. Our, our journey is to the table. Come. All are welcome.
And so we now join in the prayer of thanksgiving for bread and wine, this place and this time. Thanks be to God. For the peace we are promised and seek to embody as Christ's hands, feet, and voice in the world. Thanks be to God. For the Spirit moving among us and within us, above us, below us, behind us, around us, before us, clearing away our complacency as rushing wind, washing us in baptismal waters, and kindling us to embody the story of divine love as fire and dove. Thanks be to God. Amen.
May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>